Our reading this morning is taken from Proverbs 4, verses 14 to 27. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep until they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from your crooked speech, from you, sorry, crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forwards and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning to all, and uh, Happy 4th of July to our American brothers and sisters among us. We are continuing uh, this morning our series in the book of Proverbs, and we've been thinking about wisdom. We've been asking this question, what does wisdom look like? What is wisdom? Where do we find it? How do you, how do you live by it? And sometimes Proverbs, as we spend time listening to it, sometimes it talks about wisdom like a possession. Uh, it's something that you can, you can have, you can find. In one place it says, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so in those kind of passages, wisdom is something you can possess. It's something that you can, you can store up and treasure, like gold and precious stones. In the passage that you just heard read, we're looking at this morning, uh, wisdom is, is not presented like that. It's presented differently. In our passage this morning, wisdom is the path that you're walking on. It's a path that you can start to walk on. And it is a lifetime of commitment to, to continue walking on that path and to not deviate. And it's easy, very easy, to walk off the trail. And so we're going to hear in this passage this morning a warning as well, a warning to all those who would desire wisdom to be wise, to be discerning about the path that they're on. Two points in the sermon today. The first, stay off the wrong path. And second, stay on the right path. Very simple. First, stay off the wrong path. What you hear is the voice of a father speaking to his child. 
And the passage begins with almost a, a kind of barrage of, of imperative commandments. Listen to it. Verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. You can hear entreaty, uh, urging, pleading. Now, what is the wicked path, we might ask? What does this look like? The next verse says this, For they, the wicked, they cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They're robbed of sleep unless they've made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. They can't sleep unless they've done wrong. Another translation says this. They are robbed of sleep until they plan evil. They're like, picture it, they're they're like tossing and turning in the bed. Can't sleep, but once, once they make a plan to do their heart's desire, that is like, well, that soothes them to sleep. Evil planning is like a sedative to put them to sleep. And then they they wake up and carry out the plan. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. And now I want to ask, who could this possibly be describing? I mean, when I sit with this and think about it, my mental picture is like cartoon bad guys. Like I think about Wile E. Coyote and, and video game bad guys like like Bowser and Wario. This does not sound like real life, does it? Who is the wicked? Who is the wicked in the book of Proverbs? And we can answer that question by looking at other parts of the book of Proverbs. Chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, they, they say this, listen. The upright will inhabit the land... And those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So you hear there's the, there's the upright, and they're in the land, and there's the wicked, and they're in the land too for a time, and there's coming a day they'll be cut off, but for now they're in the land. Now, We are reading the Hebrew scriptures. And when you hear that word, the land, what it's referring to is the promised land. And who lives in the promised land? It's God's people. It's God's covenant people who who receive the law, who inherit the promises, the ones who believe in God, who who, who profess to believe in God. Those are the ones who live in the land. The implication is this. The visible people of God, those who self-identify as belonging to God, they are a mixed people. Among God's people are two groups. One group is committed to the Lord wholeheartedly. The other group is those who honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. Or to put it another way, they are bent on evil. And it's evident in how they live, how they live and act. 
One commentator, Bruce Waltke, says this, The wicked are those among God's visible people who disadvantage others in order to advantage themselves. They seek their own gain at the expense of others. And we have been hearing about this in the news recently, not on an individual scale so much as a national scale. In May this year, the remains of 215 children were found buried near Kamloops Residential School. In June, the remains of 751 children were found near a school in Saskatchewan. On Wednesday this past week, the day before Canada Day, 182 unmarked graves found near St. Eugene's Mission School in British Columbia. In the year 1880, the political gears were turning that would create the residential school system. And in the same year, there was a letter published in a newspaper in Victoria, British Columbia. And I'd like to read a quote from that letter. This is what the author of the letter says. I am an Indian chief and a Christian. Do unto others as you wish others should do unto you is a Christian doctrine. Is the white man a Christian? This is part of his creed. Take all you want. If it belongs to an Indian, he has taken all our land and all the salmon, and we have nothing. He believes an Indian has a right to live if he can live on nothing at all. Do you hear that question that he's asking? Are these Christians Christians? Do they obey Jesus? Because the ones who deprive his people of land and livelihood, they visit church on Sunday. And there is profound brokenness in our land today because there have been people in positions of power walking on the path of the wicked and they've had their way all over the place. In the west, in the prairies, in central Canada, and in the Maritimes. And the legacy stands. We hear many voices say the legacy continues in our day. So what do you do? As an individual, what do you do? And what, what about us? What do we do? As the church, what do we do? What do, you, what do you do when you read these articles that you've been reading over these past weeks? And to help us to answer or wrestle with that question, um, I'd like to move to the next section uh, in, our, in our passage. But um, hold that question uh, because we're going to we're going to come back to it. The second point is this. Stay on the right path. And we're listening to the voice of a father speaking to his child. He's giving advice about walking in the righteous path. 
And what you find here, what he says about walking, now this is, sounds obvious, but it's, it's important. You walk with your body, okay? Your whole body. The whole body is engaged in the righteous walk. Listen to the parts of the body named here in verse 20, beginning. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh, healing to the whole body. To walk on the righteous path, it involves the ear. It involves what you, what you listen to. It involves the eyes, what you look at. Also this, it involves the heart. Because what you take in through your ears, what you take in through your eyes, goes into the heart. You store up in your heart these things. And that your heart, of course, is the, the center of your value and affections. The eye and the ear are gateways to the heart. And what you look at, what you listen to, shapes your heart. It does. For the original audience, the heart is the, the seat of the character and the mind. It's the seat of the desires and actions. Your heart controls your actions. It does. That's where this strong warning comes from in the text. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Another translation says this, everything you do flows from the heart. Now notice there's a circle here. What you listen to, what you look at, shapes your heart. And the shape of your heart controls and directs your actions, including what you look at and what you listen to. There is a circle of influence, and if you're going to be wise, you must understand this circle of influence. You must understand the circle. Why? It's because you live in a world where other people understand this circle very well. And if you don't understand it, then you are vulnerable and liable to be manipulated. The Social Dilemma is the name of a documentary released in 2020, and it features interviews with many former employees and executives and designers from social media platforms, including, of course, all the big ones, Facebook, Google, Twitter, and YouTube. And I'd like to share with you a quotation from The Social Dilemma. This is from a former designer at Google named Tristan Harris. He says this, If something is a tool, it genuinely is just sitting there, waiting patiently. If something is not a tool, it's demanding things from you. It's seducing you. It's manipulating you. It wants things from you. And we've moved away from a tools-based technology environment to an addiction and manipulation technology environment. Social media is not a tool waiting to be used. It has its own goals It has its own means of pursuing them, 
by using your psychology against you. End quote. And what are the goals? What are they? He goes on to describe them. There's the engagement goal. That's keep you coming back. Keep you scrolling. There's the growth goal. Make sure that when you come back, you invite your friends with you. Because you don't want to miss out. This is really fun. You want to be a part of this. And the engagement goal. The growth goal. And last, there's the monetary goal. While all the above is happening, make sure that we're making as much money as possible from advertising. And I don't need to tell you that they succeed in these goals. Just for example, Facebook. uh, Last year, posted revenue of $86 billion. Now, with all that financial success, what is the cost to society, we might ask? Here's another quote. This is, one is from Canadian venture capitalist Chamath Palihapitiya. He says this, We get rewarded in these short-term signals, hearts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value, we conflate it with truth, and instead... What it is, is fake, brittle popularity that is short-term and leaves you feeling more vacant and empty than before you did it. It's a vicious cycle. That's it. It's a vicious cycle. It's the circle of influence. And our passage today is the voice of a father. He's warning his child because he knows that it's possible to live as one of God's people and follow temptation right into a vicious cycle and to become enmeshed in a vicious cycle. And that, that's the temptation for many of us today. You're still a Christian, but you, you live with constant comparisons in your life. And, and contentment is, is foreign to you. Living with discontent, living addicted to a vicious cycle. A former engineer at uh, Facebook and Google said this. He said, I've uninstalled a ton of apps from my phone. It's for the same reason I don't keep cookies in my pocket. And I like that, actually. I think that's a good perspective. Um, I, I'm, I'm fond of cookies as much as the next person. Um, I actually like chips more, um, every kind. When, when there's a bowl right in front of me, I, I, I always overdo it. Uh, and I feel gross after, after that. Um, now, the solution for Jess and I, um, for, for, okay, for me specifically, uh, is that um, chips are not on the weekly grocery list, okay? I can't handle having, having chips in the home all the time. Um, for, for many of you, it would be a good idea for you to start treating social media like junk food and cut back on your intake, You need to be realistic, right? You're not going to throw your phone in the garbage. Of course you're not. But what, but okay, what can you do to be more wise in how you use it? What can you do to to use this thing instead of letting it use you and control you for the purposes of those who are um, making immense profits? Um, Indeed. Okay. Now, 
how does, how does all this relate to the topic of justice and equity? Okay, we're coming back to that question that I put on the table before. Listen again. This is what our passage says. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Now this, this advice, this, is, this admonishment comes to you uh, in, in the first section of the book of Proverbs. Chapters 1 to 9 is the first section of the book. And the whole point of, of this, this introductory section is to persuade you to embrace the whole book, to embrace all the Proverbs of the book of Proverbs, embrace all the sayings of this book. Let these Proverbs fill your screen, okay? Take this into your eyes and ears. Scroll through this book like first thing when you wake up in the morning and before you go to bed, before the light goes out and, and, and in between breaks at work. And let these Proverbs shape your heart to love what God loves, to love justice and equity. It's on the first page of the book of Proverbs. It is. These are the opening lines of the book. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Purpose. To know wisdom and instruction. To receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. It's on the first page and it runs right through the entire book. It's a major theme of Proverbs. Justice and equity is a major theme. Now, of course, the same theme has been top of mind over the whole past year, hasn't it? Of course it has, owing to events in the United States. Now, this news that we've been hearing and reading in our own country, and where do you look for wisdom? Where do you look? Where do you rely upon? Grace Toronto, listen to Proverbs. And don't just, don't just tune in to sermons. Don't, don't just listen once a week. No, you need wisdom more than that. Proverbs is a book for you to live with, like not in a couple weeks of a, of a Bible and a year plan, if, if, as some of you are, are doing that. It, it, it's a book to live with, like, all year, every year. So push back on social media and read this book. And, and, and you're going to underline some Proverbs and write those on index cards. Write them on sticky notes. Let, let Proverbs be your companions. Nurture a godly addiction to this book. That's what the first nine chapters are telling you to do. They're sending you into this book and that you would, you would hold fast this book and cherish it and rely upon it. And listen, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. Proverbs three thirteen. Now, I'm aware that in what I've just said, some, some people get fired up and, and like shortly after, like one week later, you feel discouraged. Others of you already feel discouraged because you've, you've heard this kind of thing before. Uh, you've been down this road before. 
Solomon can give you good advice, but it is apparent, isn't it, that we need more than good advice. We've been thinking about the heart, and the prophet Jeremiah says this, the heart is deceitful and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can change the heart? Can Solomon and his advice, can, can it change the heart? It cannot. And when you begin to feel a kind of despair of your, of your own ability to change your heart and life, then, my friends, you are ready uh, to hear some very good news. And it's this. It's that we are the church of Jesus Christ. And something greater than Solomon is here. Solomon can only advise you. He can only exhort you. He, he, he wrote down wise sayings on the scroll. Jesus is the good shepherd. The psalm says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And do you hear that? That means that, that in Jesus, God has put his reputation on the line. He has pledged to lead you in paths of righteousness and to change your heart for his name's sake. And you can believe that God is committed to the honor of his name and his namesake. And what's more, for all of your sin, for all, all, any lack of wisdom and the consequences of a lack of wisdom, the good shepherd became the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the end, Solomon did not follow his own wisdom. The wisest king of Israel himself The wisest king of Israel walked down the path of the wicked at the end of his life. But in the end, Jesus Christ, who only ever walked in the path of wisdom and righteousness, walked straight into the punishment for the wicked. The proverb says, the wicked will be cut off from the land, and Jesus Christ was cut off from the land on the cross. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And in the end, this is, this is what you look at with your eyes. This is what you listen to with your ears. This is what you take into your heart and treasure in your heart. It is Jesus himself. There are more than 800 Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. And my word to you this morning is let each one of them be a window onto the excellence of Jesus Christ. The righteous king, the wise king, and the king who makes all things new. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for looking upon us in your mercy. We thank you for gathering us. And we thank you for this mercy that you teach us, that you instruct us. 
as a father instructs his child. We pray, O God, that we may lay to heart the instruction of your word, wisdom. We pray that we may listen and grow in justice and equity and righteousness and walk on the righteous path, we pray, O Father. We thank you that you are a gracious God and that for all of our efforts to walk in wisdom, we are yet flawed and sinful. And we thank you, O God, we thank you for taking away our sin in Jesus Christ, our Savior, our King, our only hope in this world and our only hope for the world. It's in his name we pray. Amen. At this time of our service, we have uh, a few minutes for Q&A, and I'm going to take out my phone and look at a few of the text questions here. Okay, first question is this, how can wisdom surmount systemic injustices? That's a short, clear question. It makes, a, it makes a great deal of difference that uh, human beings live with wisdom. And I, I, I mean, I, th- I think about the quotation that I read uh, from the letter um, in 1880 and that um, indigenous man writing about uh, those who had taken all the land and all the salmon and so forth. And yeah, are, they, are they Christians, he's asking himself. Now, it would make a great deal of difference um, in that local history um, if those who professed to follow Christ lived with wisdom and um, feared God and feared God uh, more than, than um, pursue uh, greed. And to multiply that, that spirit across the country, if those from, a, from a, a European background came to this country, and came to this land, and lived with a um, righteous fear of God, that would make a tremendous difference. Um, but this is idle to engage in um, speculation about past events and um, imagine scenarios. Okay. But I think the short answer to the question needs to be um, wisdom cannot surmount systemic injustices in the end. Um, because why? Because our hope rests on God and in the end. Our, our, another book of wisdom, Ecclesiastes, asked this, this question in chapter 1. Um, or rather, it's a, it's a statement. Um, what, is, what is crooked cannot be made straight, Ecclesiastes says. This is the gospel hope, though, is that not human beings, but God is the savior of the world. And we 
look toward a day that is certainly coming, the gospel says, in which Jesus will come and return, and the righteous king who looked and saw that there was no justice, prophet Isaiah says, that the righteous king will return and make all things new. And we, that's where the buck stops. That, 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 that's where our hope rests. That's where we ultimately, finally look to. Okay. Let's see, another question here. Um, how do we reconcile with the fact that the world is growing increasingly digital? Social media seems to be the mode of communication because of globalization. I feel guilty for the fact I do spend, on average, more than an hour um, daily, I would presume. Um, it seems to be the best way to connect with people whom I wouldn't have connected with otherwise. Gosh, if, if you're on social media for one hour a day, um, you're, you're um, like far below the average. Um, I, I don't mean to make light of your question, but... Um, I, th- I think, okay, if as, a whole, if as a whole society, if everyone was on social media for one hour a day, um, we, we wouldn't have the kind of problems with mental illness that we have in this country. Um, okay, now I, I, I am perhaps making light of your question, but um, I don't mean in what I said this morning, I don't, I don't mean to disagree with using social media as a communication tool. Um, but I don't think that, broadly speaking, social media serves as simply a communication tool for the vast majority of our, of our culture, of our society. Um, again, I, I, that quote from Tristan Harris comes to my mind. A tool that is just a tool, like a hammer, is just sitting there. And you, you pick it up and you put it down. You don't have this kind of craving to always like, take out your hammer and look at it. And when you're in between breaks and, and when you're in the bathroom, for goodness sake, you're looking at your hammer all the time. No, that's not right. Is social media just a tool of communication? I, I, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, and that, that, that's what I'm trying to push back against. And that, that's, like, we need to, we need to hear, um, I, I think we need to hear that. I need to hear that. And it would be for the good of the church that we might, we might push back against things that control us and seek to control us, not for our blessing and benefit, but for the, the bottom line of Silicon Valley, yeah, that's what I want to say. And I'm thankful for the chance to um, clarify my intention there. Um, you say to have a godly addiction is wisdom. Isn't that just a kind of workaholism? Would it? <laughs> okay, thank, thank you for the, for the pushback here. Um, It seems to me that living in the gospel, part of living in the gospel, is uh, that, that more and more 
um, you might nurture a um, addiction, I'll, I'll use that word, uh, to, to, to Jesus Christ. Um, I, I think about the Apostle Paul, he's, he, when he, when he wrote, writes to the Corinthians, he says, we determined this, to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and you read his letters, and this, this is a man who is um, in awe of, of who Jesus is. And it's the same letter that, that Paul says that um, all, of the, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus Christ. Um, to use a different word from ad- addiction, we could use the word worship. You, um, you are made as a human being. You're made to be a worshiper. You are. And you are certainly going to worship something. And that can, that can, either, um, that can either be your creator and your God as revealed in Jesus Christ, which is for your, your blessing and flourishing. He will, he will only enrich your life as you, as you worship, as you center your life on him, as you wrap your life around him. Uh, or you can worship something else, anything else, um, which, which is always going to corrupt and enslave. Thank you for the question. Um, at this point, I'd like to invite Joe to uh, lead us in a prayer of reflection and uh, to transition. Thank you.